Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It's time for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday via podcastone.com and iTunes. Thank you for listening, everybody. I almost said tuning in. That would be, of course, on the radio side, but I guess you kind of tune in when you listen to the podcast as well. However you get it, whether it is iTunes, whether it is Podcast One, uh, wherever you go for it, thank you for checking it out, spreading the word about it as I continue to bring you some great interviews that originate on my SiriusXM show on 106 volume. You can hear that every day live, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replaying every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, on demand anytime you want on the SiriusXM app. Getting ready to head out of town. As a matter of fact, as you are hearing this, I am probably just around now taking off for Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Never been. There is a music festival there. I'm shooting another episode of my Access TV series Trunk Fest for season two at a festival called Rendezvous. Definitely not a hard rock affair, but I hear Jackson Hole is beautiful, and that TV show covers more of the surroundings of what goes on at the festivals, more so than anything to do with the music, and this one should be a beautiful setting. Everybody tells me Jackson Hole is a beautiful place. Uh, Great skiing, apparently. Never been, but I will be there at the time you're hearing this through most of the weekend and I can't wait for you guys to see a new the new season of Trunk Fest scheduled to kick off sometime this summer on Access TV. So, a uh, busy week as usual with some travel from Jackson Hole. I fly over to Los Angeles. I'll spend a few days in LA where I will do my latest show from the Rainbow, which we call the Trunk Nation LA Invasion. Once a month on my daily Sirius XM show, we do it from the Rainbow in LA. It's a great setting, historic place, great guests join us, and we will have some tremendous guests when we do the next one, which is coming up this Tuesday. Uh, At the time I'm recording this podcast open, I can't reveal the guests yet, but you will be hearing who the guests are tomorrow 
If you're hearing this on Thursday, post day, tomorrow, Friday, I'll reveal it for you on my SiriusXM volume show. Again, 2 to 4, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. So I'll reveal the guests for the first time tomorrow. And if you're in Southern California, come and join us this Tuesday. It is totally free and open to the public, space permitting. Everybody else can listen to all the action as it happens live on SiriusXM. Now, when we do the shows from the Rainbow, since they originate from what is essentially a bar, uh, for those shows, we flip-flop it, and the live broadcast is in the 9 to 11, 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific window. So on this coming Tuesday only, uh, the volume show will be live in the usual replay window because obviously doing a live show from a bar, you'd rather be a little later in the day. So it works out better that way for us, and that's the one time a, a month that we flip-flop and go live in what is always the replay window. So hope to see a lot of people in Southern California. It's going to be a great broadcast, and uh, looking forward to everybody checking it out, listening on 106, or coming down if you are in L.A., and I'll share more with you on social media, of course, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook, eddietrunk.com, Twitter, where I am most up to the second and active for sure. So a uh, brief open here this week because I've got two interviews for you, and both of these originated on the recent Monsters of Rock cruise, just like last week's podcast. This one also took place on the cruise as I do my best to bring you, as I always say, a little sampling of some of the things that I'm doing on a daily basis on volume. And here on the podcast, I give you a little taste of it each and every week. So last week I gave you Tesla, whose new album is out now, along with Rick Allen of Def Leppard from the Monsters of Rock Cruise. This week, two more interviews from the cruise, King's X and Queensryche. Queensryche with a new album that uh, is imminently coming out. Actually, it is out already, I think. And King's X working on a new album. King's X, a band that I have a tremendous amount of history with, going all the way back to when they were first signed to Megaforce Records. And Queensryche, a ton of history with as well, although I never worked with them in a professional capacity back in the day. Uh, Queensryche getting great reviews for their latest album, doing really well in terms of playing shows and the business they're doing out there. And a band that underwent a major lineup change a number of years ago with Jeff Tate out, Todd Latore in, but has been widely accepted by many of the Queensryche fans. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the direction they went back into is something that a lot of uh, Queensryche fans certainly approve of. So first up, we'll be joined by Queensryche Original members Eddie Jackson and Michael Wilton, along with Todd Latore. And second, all three members of King's X, Ty Tabor, Jerry Gaskill, and Doug Pinnock. All of these interviews, like I said, happened live in the middle of the sea on the latest Monsters of Rock cruise. What a blast it was with a live audience in front of us as well, as you are about to hear. So if you missed them when they first aired live on volume, Get another chance to hear them. And if you're outside the U.S. and Canada and you can't get Sirius XM, little chance to hear what we do. And if you're in the U.S. and Canada and you're not listening on Sirius XM, well, shame on you. You're missing all this great stuff that we do on a daily basis live and get you involved in it. 
Some big stuff coming up, too. Like I said, on Tuesday, we have the big L.A. broadcast for the month at the at the Rainbow. And then above and beyond that, all sorts of big things being discussed and talked about as far as remotes and doing the show from interesting places with great guests. And then there's some days where I just talk to the audience all day and have a great time taking calls and uh, questions and things like that from so many of the great listeners who are rock fans. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Appreciate you guys listening on the radio, watching on TV, and, of course, listening to this podcast, which posts every Thursday. Let's get our uh, a break in here, and let's come back. We'll, we'll start with Queensryche, and then we'll go to King's X. A double dip for you on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast coming up. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Every car comes with its uh, share of stories. You know that, right? That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date. The luxury package you got after that big promotion. Or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof, watch as they bump up your value. High mileage, you already knew it was going to cost you, right? But now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Car cash offer not available in all areas. March Madness is upon us, and it's time to place your bets. All right, let's get to it. Join R.J. Bell on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview as he helps you fill out your bracket with his expert betting advice. Smaller conference action Friday night. DCU playing a team that should be able to to make it to the NCAA tournament. Get the winning advantage and dominate the brackets by downloading R.J. Bell's Dream Preview every week on Podcast One. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Eddie Trunk back with you. As I mentioned, a double dip this week. Two interviews that originated from the Monsters of Rock Cruise and were both broadcast live on my Sirius XM volume show, Trunk Nation. First up, Queensryche, Eddie Jackson, Michael Wilton, who are the two sole original members of that band now, along with Todd LaTorre, talking about their brand new album and a whole lot more, including the apparent disappearance of Scott Rockenfield. Let's get to it right now. Queensryche on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Gentlemen, how's the cruise going for you so far? We'll start with you, Whip. Have, how's it been? Can't complain. Smooth waters. Uh, a great crowd last night. You know, we uh, played a lot of the new songs and... Um, you know, just uh, having fun, no problems. You've done, uh, Queensryche's done a lot of cruises. You even did the progressive one, right? Cruise to the Edge in the past as well, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a fun thing for us, you know. We're seaworthy gentlemen and uh, <laughs> yeah. um, haven't gotten seasick you know, once yet. You haven't yet? Well, well, Eddie just jinxed the whole thing now that you haven't gotten <laughs> seasick yet. But, uh, well, Todd, you're from Florida, so Todd is totally seaworthy. I mean, this is like... I Todd grew up on the water. Todd doesn't even have to... You don't have to... You just drive to the port, right? Yeah. I'm, 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 this, this is my home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you guys enjoy, you enjoy it, Todd? 
yeah, I love it. It's good. You know, it's a different vibe. You know, I mean, yeah, you have a, to learn the true technique of when the ship is moving and you're playing when you're on, on stage, stage. It's kind of weird trying yeah. to step on the pedal and, and uh, you know, not fall over. Right, right. <laughs> but you know, the the beauty of that is the moving. Sh- if you're drunk, you can always blame it on the ship. Absolutely, <laughs> that helps a little bit. We don't drink, so yeah. You know, you guys don't. Nobody in the band drinks ever at no, all. Not anymore. Really? No. No. Sober across the board, huh? Wow. <laughs> There comes a time in your life when you just got to shut the valve off. Were you? Did you feel like you were having a problem? I, I think I reached my quota. Yeah. Did you just have one really bad night and you were like, "That's it"? I never drank. I've never yeah, been drunk I've, in my life. Really? Yep. We wow. do other things in the state of Washington. Oh yeah. You, you guys, you guys have the legal weed there, right? <laughs> oh yeah. So instead, you're just baked all the time instead of drunk. Well, we think so. <laughs> Michael, are you baked right now? No, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> You're in international uh, waters, you know. Yeah, that's, it's, uh, I haven't found the connection yet. So. <laughs> Eddie, how, how, have you, how do you find rock cruises? Do you enjoy doing them? Absolutely. I, I find it one big distraction. Is that a good thing? It's a great thing. A distraction from life or a distraction from what? Just, it's really tough to want to go see a band. They start 15 or 30 minutes before some other band. So you're trying to, you know, try to catch one band to another. And I guess it's just because there's so many bands that, uh, you know, you got to kind of have to overlap them every once in a while. But, but uh, no, I, I, I'm having a great time. Well, let's talk a little bit about a big day coming up for you guys. The timing for this worked out great because you've got the cruise and you're about to launch a brand new record called The Verdict where there's a few songs out already. As a matter of fact, today you released a new video, right, Todd? Yeah, we released a video for the song called Blood of the Levant. It's the uh, Man, is that a metal title? What is a Levant? Uh, well, the Levant is a region of the world, in which is Syria is one of those oh, countries. Oh, so it's that- a serious thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even. I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Hey. I thought it was like you we know, are, we're the intellectual band. Yeah. No, I'm and I'm not. You're talking about the most in, intellectual broadcaster yeah. ever. So you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. So it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. Okay. And uh, the video depicts um, uh, the onset of the Syrian War, which was uh, basically what followed the Arab Spring, and so you had countries like uh, Egypt, for example, that were. Uh, gathering and pro- peaceful protests to um, basically have a true democracy. And in Syria, um, that war started from some kids spray painting on a wall, um, basically in Arabic saying, your next doctor, referring to Assad, who was an ophthalmologist before he became the ruler of Syria. Um, You've done some so- reading, haven't you? You're smart, I, I'm into man. This stuff. What so, the hell? Long, long story short, uh, that's that. There was peaceful protest, and these young kids were killed uh, for just graffitiing on a wall. Yeah, and that's how the the true started. The war started in Syria, and so this video kind of depicts the onset of that. Um, and uh, it's basically, you know, uh, at the end, saying standing in solidarity with those fighting oppression. Because this happens all over the world. Um, so that video came out today. Um, I don't even have the internet package here, but some people do. And they said, man, it's blowing up and it's getting a lot of good feedback. And it's a, it's a serious topic. Um, but it's a, we had a lot of fun making the video. Um, Dave, David Brodsky 
um, did the video, and uh, it came out great. And we have another video coming out very soon for a song called Light Years that's on the album. So, yeah, we're, things are just starting to ramp up, and it's all good. Yeah, I wanted to watch the video because I saw the link come out this morning, and I just saw that it come out. But be, even, even though I do have the Internet package on the ship, you're limited as to how yeah. much download, and you, can, you really can't stream. I think so they're going to be playing it on – I think today, earlier, I just heard they're – you Put know, it on the play, screens? It, well, they play it, all the videos in the rooms on that channel with all the music videos, and I think that will now go in the rotation. So people on the boat will be able to see the new video. All right, cool. Yeah. cool. Let's, let's talk about, uh, we'll get more about the record, of course, again, which is out on Friday called The Verdict. But, but video in general, uh, you know, Eddie and Michael, since the inception of the band, as the, as the now the, the remaining two original members in this band, you guys have video played an important part in Queensryche's history, especially early on throughout the whole evolution of the band. I mean, all the different things you did, whether it was like you know something like "Going to Get Close to You" back in the day, or "Silent Lucidity," or whatever it was. Did, Eddie, starting with you, was was video always important? Did you enjoy doing them? Were there moments you liked it better than others? Oh, absolutely. They were they were fun to uh, be a part of. I think. You know, it, it was a lot of exposure, you know, for the bands, uh, it, like a four or five minute commercial that you were trying to promote, you know, from your music. And it's it's a lost art now, you know. Um, now you have to kind of rely on other sources like perhaps YouTube and whatnot to promote your own music. But we had a great time doing those back in the day. It's just changed pretty drastically, though. Is there a video... Whip, is there a video that you remember from back in the old days that you got a good story about or that you like doing more than others or some sort of something ridiculous happened that we wouldn't even have known about, have, haven't watched it, or any stories about um, any of the old classic videos? Well, I mean, I think going back to, like, you know, that era, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, that was when the record companies were all happening. You had, uh, you know, all your interviews were in print, um, you had MTV, which was playing, mm -hmm. you know, metal shop and, and rock videos. So um, that was a great time for us. When we released Operation Mindcrime, it, uh, you know, it respectively sold, but it wasn't until Eyes of a Stranger hit MTV that it took off. You know, mm -hmm. so those those were great days. And what about, the, Todd, what about the importance of making videos now? Obviously, a lot of people still do them. <laughs> I, I enjoy seeing them. Everybody tends to see them on their phone. Sure. The whole greatness of, uh, like, like Michael talks about, the days of uh, waiting for that premiere on MTV and standing around the TV and the excitement of that or Headbangers Ball or all that. Um, unfortunately, that's all gone. Mostly, it's you know, on-demand YouTube on your phone or whatever. But um, obviously, you still feel, you guys, most bands still feel it's an important promotional tool, right? Yeah, I think that's just one of the the tools that's that's u utilized to to grab people's attention. I mean, when when you're on your phone and there's or your computer and you see it, YouTube, you're watching something and you see all these thumbnails that catch your attention. They they catch your eye. And so we're we're really quick to like if we're not really hooked quickly, then you're you're on to the next one. I I really think and I hate to say this, um as much as I love making the records with the band and doing videos, they're really a business card to get people to come to your show mm -hmm. because back then, you know, before I was in the band and, and I was one of those guys that I couldn't wait for the, the new premieres of Headbangers Ball and why I watched all those videos. And, you know, those were, you know, the, those those videos were were paramount to to reaching the masses. And now anybody with a camera 
can and people are crafty and they make their own, they know how to do their own video editing. People have recording software platforms at their house, and it's it's kind of a do it yourself thing now, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, so you have to really, it, again, it's just it's it's just another way to get people to be interested in you to come out to the live show, like these people here. It's easy to click like on anything. To me, that doesn't mean anything. Right. I mean, it's okay, great, you clicked it. But people that come and spend their hard-earned money to really support that experience is is what keeps any of these bands able to really work um, successfully. And uh, you know, those videos are just a little quick way to to grab people's attention and let us let them know, hey, we're still we're still present and and very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? We used to, um, relevant. 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 That's the yeah. word I'm looking for. We're we're still a relevant band. I mean, we. we Definitely pay respect to the classics that everyone knows and loves. But we're heavily supporting the new album. We're playing a lot of stuff since the, my seven years in the band. And uh, people seem to really like it. But that's another visual way to let people know that you're, you're still alive and, and well, and, well and doing things. Well, I'll take it one further. And I think it's kind of, you know, it's, it's sad and it's, it's unfortunate the way the music industry is now. And obviously it's, it's radically different than it was in the early days of... I was talking with Eddie and Michael about, but I, I almost see, unfortunately, music. Y- you say, Todd, that the video is the calling card to let people know you're still out there, you're touring, you're active. Just one of them. Yeah. One of them. But the other one is, is is the release of new music to begin with because sure. it seems like everything is so front-loaded <laughs> towards that first week pre-order, first week sales chart, whatever. Sure. And then, unfortunately, with 90% of the records I see by week three, if it's it's over. It's not even on the charts anymore because it was all that push. We all remember, and we're all old enough to remember the days where you you entered a chart at say ninety or seventy, and then by week six, it's six, eight, ten you're, weeks in, you might have been at climbing. twenty. You, your peak position might have been eight months into the life the of the record. It's completely different. So it's almost like you do these videos, you do you do these records. The records sell to the fans. The people watch the videos to keep yourself out there because the end game is always the live show bingo right. I, I mean you guys would agree with that right i mean you guys i mean uh, again speaking to the two original mm-hmm. members in the band here and eddie and michael i remember hell i remember when the first ep came out and it probably entered the charts at like 190 yeah. and then moved around and the same with the warning and all of that i mean you watch the ebb and flow of the history of the record and now it's it's so different right eddie <laughs> absolutely i mean and also when it came to record companies signing acts you know bands uh, back in the day, they were signing them for like multiple, you know, contracts, like three, four, five album contracts. Nowadays, you're lucky to get one, and if it, you know, if it doesn't do average, then they move on to the next one, you know. But it's just a whole different world nowadays in the industry. Yeah, and you guys have seen all sides of it. I mean, you've been on major labels, you've been on independent labels, you've you've done, uh, you know, every kind of record, every kind of tour. You you've seen every end of it. Let's talk about. I mean, the last year or two leading into this record. <laughs> Queensryche's done a tremendous amount of touring. You did a bunch of shows with Scorpions. How were those shows? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, that, uh, I mean, the Scorpions, I listened to them when I was growing up, you know, and they're still out playing and uh, performing and, you know, I think they came out in the late 60s. They did, mid-60s. Mid-60s. Actually, yeah. They technically trace them all the way back. They kick ass. They're still good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, They're like a machine, you know. The ultimate <laughs> driving machine, like BMW, right? <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had a couple uh, runs with the Scorpions, but yeah, like you said, we've been touring since Condition Human for like three and a half years. 
Yeah, and Todd, for you, this is, by my count, if I'm correct, this is album four? Three. Album three. Yeah. But this is album one for you also playing drums on a Queensryche record. That's true. Which So you, you're fully immersed in this thing. Now, I remember uh, half joking around with you when <laughs> you first joined say. the band because I said to you, uh, everyone would tell me, hey, Todd's a great drummer. And I was just like, I, I didn't know you. I knew you as a... As the, you were in Crimson Glory before, and I, I just, I just didn't know. I just, uh, oh no, Todd's a great drummer. Todd can actually play brilliantly. I said, great, whatever. So one time, I remember I said to you, I said, hey, could you ever, in like a pinch situation, actually sing and play a Queensrÿche set at the same time? And you're like, well, I don't know if I could do that, but I could definitely play all the music. Well, now you you don't have to do both, but you did on the record, not at the same time though, right? Right. Well, I mean, as a, you know, I started playing drums when I was 13. And when I was in bands, you know, we were always looking for a singer. And so until like we found the singer, we were still working on stuff. And I, I do play drums and sing at the same time. Like, that's not hard for me. Playing guitar just keeping singing, your wind, I don't know how people do but that. But I was just thinking keeping your wind would be hard. I mean, because you're playing pretty, in, you know, you're not just yeah, keeping well, a sure. beat. You know, just, you, you got to really, I mean, of course. You're, you're clearly in good shape, but still physically, that's got to yeah, be. It's, yeah, they're both very phys- physically demanding, you know, parts to play. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, fortunate enough to to be able to contribute what I do and to the to the band. And, you know, since I joined the band, I've... I've contributed a lot of drum parts to the last two records. You know, if Scott were working on a song, for example, and, you know, he's loaded with his stuff, Michael and Eddie, they would send tracks to me, and I craft custom, tailored-made drum parts for the demos. Mm. And there were times on the records where Scott, you know, would be like, dude, that's awesome, I'm just going to play it like that. Okay, cool. And so it was just to keep moving the process forward. But as you know, he had a baby in February of... Uh, 2017 and he took paternity leave which we totally support and no no issue with that and then that just turned into six months nine months 12 months hey when are you going to come back and we just never got an answer so that's why i played drums on the record is because i did all the demos with these guys and it just made logical sense that i'm capable and and totally it, my skills are totally adequate to huh. fulfill that role. Well, clearly, I mean, if you hear the record, the verdict, I mean, yeah, the, you're playing, yeah, your playing is great on it. But you. you know, Michael and I had a had a discussion, um, you know, when we were crafting these songs, you know, in, in pre-production. So I ended up uh, bringing out my electronic drum kit, you know, just to yeah. start working out some ideas and stuff. And Michael and I were talking about, well, you know, we got to figure out, you know. Uh, the drummer situation and once he got behind the electronic kit we were crafting all these songs and I just looked at him I said that's the guy who's playing drums on our album mm. yeah you have to realize you know when, when you have deadlines with a record company and with a producer and you have pockets of time and we were put in a situation you know we were on the fence what are we going to do are we going to get an outside drummer or are we going to well, you've you know, been touring. Have, have you've been touring Todd. with the drummer now for a couple of years, Casey Grillo, right? Mm-hmm. He's been playing yeah. the live shows. He's with doing him. great too. Yeah, he's an amazing drummer. He's so, an amazing, and drummer. he continues as the live drummer. Yeah, now correct. Yep, he's okay. the guy that's that's going to be touring 2019, and uh, you know, but you know, we've done as you know just tons of press for for the album, and people have asked, you know, well, why didn't Casey play? And the truth of the matter is, we all. A, wanted Scott to play on the record, 
and B, we anticipated that even though he wasn't a part of the writing process, for whatever reasons he wasn't uh, making himself available for that, um, at least when we would press record, we thought, well, surely he'll record. And we really did have confidence that he would, he would track the drums. So out of respect for, for that position with Scott, we, we weren't going to bring in Casey and say, hey, go in. and Because we really did think Scott would, would drum on the album. And it was only three, four weeks before we were pressing record that we really needed an answer. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, Eddie, um, we had pushed recording back two times. Um, we had no commitment from him to continue with what we were doing. And he just said, uh, look, I, you know, I wish you all the best with this recording. And so he basically gave us the green light, he, you know, to, to keep doing it. And so that's what we did. Um, and everybody asks about it. I, I get it. And we totally understand that. And the door's always been open for Scott. You know, he's, he's you know... A huge part of I, I've heard I've heard what you've said. You know, he's a huge part of the sound and, and whatnot. And he well, he is, kind but, of assumed that leadership role when Jeff left. Sure, and because the bulk of the interviews I did with Queensrÿche were sure. with him, and he mm-hmm. kind of was. And I, I've spent a lot of time talking to him, and I know he had a big interest in doing film music because he would yeah. call me and stuff about that. But it's 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 um it's strange that that I mean, look, I mean, Whip and Eddie, you've got. 40 years of history probably with the guy it's 37 37 it's pretty it's pretty amazing to not have really be in nobody seems to really know what's going people on people think them. that we're like no i think you're being totally no, honest I, about no, i know it, but, but people are like you know well, you know the thing is is you know after you've been in a band as long as we have people change you yeah know? no i get and that they want they want to go down their own paths and and uh Totally respect, respect that, that yeah. and uh, absolutely, you know what, you know whatever. If he wants to come back and tour, whatever. Well, the door is always. I mean, open. I think it was very telling, and I think this is what led to confusion because for a long time you guys continued to put his picture on the website and put it out there as being a part of the band, and then that's now gone away. And just just closing out the stuff with Scott, where you where you stand on all this as a band is should he surface because you really haven't talked to him. It's communication has been difficult been for whatever reason yeah. heard, so know, so heard. so where you stand is just like you're going about your business if he comes back and makes contact the door is open but in the meantime this is what it is casey plays live todd does the record and you go exactly queens is a machine and it just consumes the individual and it takes off and if you're not there it's got to keep moving and it's important though that you find people that can uh continue look you you replaced one of the most powerhouse vocalists ever in Jeff with a guy that in Todd is unbelievably, I mean, shoes that he's stepped into and done so brilliantly and been so accepted. It's incredible. I mean, that is, those are no small shoes to fill. And the same parallel with Scott. I mean, people who, one of the things people love about Queensryche is, I mean, Scott as a player, is, was, the stuff was brilliant. And sure. Todd, you'd, you know, I mean, as a drummer yourself, I mean, it's just what he did. So yeah. now you got Casey, at least on the live stuff, you doing the studio stuff. So, yeah, you got you got you can have that machine to move on, but it's, it's it, you finding the right people is such a big part of it. Well, that's, that's always been what Queensryche is about is, you know, having... A plus musicians. You know, everybody's on the top of their game, you know, and uh, the fans expect that when we play live. And it's it's a kick ass show, you know. Yeah, we've been uh, having a great time, you know. How many years does Parker have him with you now? 
It's almost, what, nine, ten years? Yeah, yeah over ten, yeah. Ten, ten plus, I think. And, Michael, talk about how that guitar relationship has worked out. Because, obviously, before Parker, you had Kelly Gray there for a little bit. There's a couple other people that were in and out. Uh, you know, since Mike Stone. Mike Stone uh, yeah. was there for a little bit, of course, since, since the DeGarmo Parker's, years. Parker's but, but the awesome. relationship with you and Parker playing yeah. guitar, how's that evolved over these nine years? It's awesome. You know, he... He knows uh, he knows the game. You know, it's like respect the songs and uh, play the parts like it's on the album. And you know, and he he's uh, a proficient player, and he's just he's just doing it the right way. And he's he's uh, really growing into a, a a great songwriter as well. I mean, I think the kid's like half half our age, right? Ed? You know. <laughs> I remember when he came in and I first met him. He was really, really young at that point. So you know what I read what was interesting, Michael, was that you were saying in an interview, I think it might have been Guitar World or something, where you'd said that the way you guys worked out some of the earlier solos, you actually played live some of the DeGarmo stuff because you kind of knew Chris's style better and, and that you actually gave Parker some of your own stuff to play live. Is that Did I read that right? That, that's partly correct, but a lot of it is just, you know, practicality i play with guitar with a floyd rose bar and uh, so if some of the solos had a bar in it i would grab that solo mm-hmm. um and then parker would do the one you know mine um so it just we just whatever worked and sometimes there's you know some pretty uh challenging backing vocals and if there's a way to alleviate you know some prog riffs or anything while, he's, <laughs> while Parker's trying to sing, you know, I'll, I'll do those parts. So it's just, we're yeah. just being practical about it. Yeah. He's also got a really good attitude, you know. Yeah. No ego, just is there to work. He's willing and, to yeah. rehearse as much as you want, learn yeah. anything you throw at him. He's, mm-hmm. you know. He's there. Yeah, it's a, it's a very stress-free camp, yeah. honestly. I mean, we just have a great time on the road, and we, we're all really close we you know friends and like family and after doing this all these years and even even though todd you've got eight nine years in you you've been in bands before this obviously you guys have all got decades into this business at this point in your life that's what you want <laughs> you yeah you don't you don't you need no the drama. drama right yeah. no. you've all probably been down those roads we know yeah, we all we all we laugh so much i mean we have such a good time together as just as friends that it's you know it doesn't feel like a, a job some a lot of times i mean the travel is tiring but man to have to travel with people that you don't like like i you know nobody's into that and we have an awesome camp and you know our crew is amazing and I couldn't ask for a sweeter situation to be honest. Great chemistry, you know? Yeah, totally. that's Im- That's important. And uh, let, uh, two, two quick things on the past, and then uh, a few more. Then we'll get some questions from the audience about the record or whatever they want to ask you. you, you uh, does anybody in this band talk to DeGarmo? Whip or Eddie, do you guys talk to him? I do, on occasion. Does he still do aviation and stuff? I mean, what's oh, he yeah. do now? Yeah, he's a pilot. and He's been a pilot since 1997. So. But, but as far as doing, like, he would never do an interview talk. Like, he, he's completely out of the press. He seems like he's completely disconnected. Doesn't People have asked a million times, hey, it would be great if you had him on your show, just talk about the old days of Queensryche. Uh, it just doesn't seem like he would be open just, to doing that. He's kind of moved on completely, right? He's doing his own thing. Yeah, he's, you know? he's very, he's totally professional, and he loves what we're doing. Michael um, and I will go out and golf with him every yeah. once in a while. You know, he just reached out to me on my birthday last month and to say hello and... 
you know, we still try to keep in touch with him. And he popped up on a couple Alice in Chains records, I think, or Cantrell solo records or something. So he has played a little guitar, I guess, here and there. But uh, it seems like he's... Yeah, he told me about that. He was in there listening on the stu- uh, to this one song, and there was a 12-string a part that Jerry said, Hey, can you try this? I can't play it clean. <laughs> and so Chris just tried it. And he did um, You know, they pushed, pushed record, and they, next thing you know, it's on the album. <laughs> And the, and the last thing, I don't know if it was you, Todd, or if it was Jeff that told me not too long ago that, is it true that Jeff came to a Queensryche show or, and you guys met or something? You guys had yeah. some, there was some moment, right? Yeah, so we were, <clears throat> it was the last uh, show of our European tour and we were playing uh, in Barcelona and he was um, doing a guest vocal thing with, uh, I think, Avantasia. And so, yeah, I mean, he stood side stage pretty much the whole show. Michael and so, I, we, you know. we hadn't seen him in, what, four or five years, you yeah. know, since, since that whole... We double. talked for, you know... Did you guys know that he was going to be there standing yeah. and watching? Well, not advance? that he would be standing there, but we <laughs> that, knew that, that you know... Surreal. <laughs> that was surreal. I was just like, going to ask you that. I mean, I'm, I'm jamming on Queen of the Reich, and I'm looking to the left, and there's, there's Jeff, and... He's kind of getting into it. And there's Todd singing the part, and it's kind of surreal. <laughs> what was it like for you, Todd? Honestly? Yeah. Well, I, I, I saw him talking to Eddie backstage, and I was like, oh, this is, this this is kind of... No, no. <laughs> oh, shit. That's the furthest thing from my mind. Crimson Glory on speed dial. No, I'm just kidding. Hardly. I'm just kidding. No, I was like, you know... It was it was not good back then, you know. It was like you thought it could get ugly. Well, I was just like, this is weird, you know. I was watching the two of them talk, and I was like, holy shit! <laughs> and and I went by, and I was like, okay, they're everything seems cordial and cool and respectful, and and so like you know, hey, what's up? You know, small talk, whatever. <clears throat> and so I was like, ah, that's cool. Like we could be in the same environment and. You know, all hell isn't going to break loose. It was it was totally cool, and then we played our show, and we started to play the show, and I remember looking over and and seeing him standing, you know, ten feet away from me, and I'm like, there was like a split second, and I was like, you know, I I sing in this band. This guy was the original singer for thirty plus years, and 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 it, as quick as I thought about it, I was like. It was over, and this is my gig. Right. And I'm gonna this. I'm with these guys, and I can't. He's just like any other side stage guy, or what? I couldn't let that affect me, mm-hmm. and I don't. People ask all the time, "Don't you get nervous?" And I just don't. I mean, we played Vock into almost a hundred thousand people, and it was just like playing in a, a nightclub. It, like for me, I don't get nervous about that. So I shut it out. But afterward, he came up, and I felt this tug on my arm. And I looked, and he was like, hey. And, you know, we shook hands and said, you know, we never really got to talk. And we talked for about 20 minutes, and actually, like, we did a funny – I said, I said, yeah, people like to stir the pot with us, you know. And, and uh, it would be really funny if we took a selfie. And we took, like, a couple selfies. You did? Yeah. But I've never, I've never posted it. I've never I've, – I've, I've never posted it. Hold on. No, I've never posted the picture, and I, and, I, and I won't. But what I will show you, what I will show you, hang on. 
I'll find yeah, it. I'm gonna, we'll, I'm gonna, we'll keep talking. Trust me, before the end of this cruise, I'm going to get this picture out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, he doesn't drink, so I can't, I can't pry him with booze. But No, but here's a picture of me and Jeff Tate when I was 16 years old. Oh, wow. So I was a true fan. That doesn't look anything like you. And that would be that looks like a, about rage for order period. No, that for was Jeff. that was that was like uh, I don't know, you know the the uh, Empire tour or something. Uh, but, all right. but nevertheless, you know we had a good cordial conversation. It was respectful, and uh, he said, you know, wow, you sounded amazing and did a great job. And I thanked him, and it, it was all good. You know, I mean, like we're 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 doing what we're doing, and well, the thing is, and like, you, know, you know, you can have that level of confidence about it too, because let's be honest, you've been so unbelievably embraced and accepted by Queensrÿche fans. You know, that's amazing. You really have. It really has been. I mean, I'm not just saying that because you're sitting here. Well, that's... You, you filled you filled incredibly huge shoes, and I, you, both what you did, and also giving credit to to Whip and, of and Eddie and Scott. Of course, at that time, you also not only did you bring in Todd, but you actually you repositioned the band back on the path right. that most Queensryche fans wanted in terms of musical direction and right. the way you approach music. So to me, it was a two-pronged thing. You found a guy that could not only nail the gig and deliver it in spades, but also you kind of repositioned the whole band and, and put it right back in the sweet spot of where people want it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was really, it was almost, it's fate. I mean, we 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 didn't go and have uh, auditions for vocalists or anything, you know. It just everything just kind of fell into place, and and uh, uh, next thing you know, uh, I got Todd flying to Seattle to rehearse for us and to do a gig, and 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 uh, we sell out two nights at this place in less than two weeks, and it just exploded. Yeah. It's, it's just you know, and it was one thing after another, you know, and this this could have gone horribly wrong, you know, if. You know, if, if Todd sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No pressure. <laughs> Jesus. If Todd that takes, sucked, that takes right? a lot of balls exactly. for these guys to put, you know, put all their money yeah. on, on what I had to deliver. And, uh, yeah, I'm eternally grateful, as I've said it. I mean, I, I'm in the band, and I don't, I don't feel that, you know, that feeling where when you're first into something, it's just like. Right. But I'm, I'm eternally grateful for these two guys and, and Scott, too. For for the opportunity to uh, to be in in you know my favorite band and uh, and and no matter how good you are still it's the people that give this band a chance with me in it um, that really makes it successful because um, you can re- still be really good and people just aren't feeling it for whatever reason so. Yeah. I feel like we're very fortunate, and uh, we don't take that for granted at all. Well, I promised the audience one or two questions for the Queensryche guys. So step up to the mic real quick here, whoever wants to ask one, and fire away, and then we'll uh, let these guys get on their way and get the skids in here. Right up on the mic, or there you Yeah, go. you're perfect, sir. Hi, guys. Rick from Iowa. A little brutally honest question here, Todd. I, I'm a major Queensryche fan because yeah. you guys are so spot on. Um, but when you stepped into Jeff's shoes, I was a little nervous. Sure. Um, and I saw you for the first time last year at the pre-party show, and you blew me away. Thank you. I saw you last night, and you totally turned me inside out. Is that a good you, thing? That's that a part? way good thing. Okay. All right. What you're doing, you, are man. you taking vocal lessons, or no. how did you get so goddamn good? <laughs> <laughs> Over a year's time, man. Practicing? I, I smoke a lot of cigarettes and drink a lot of coffee. 
Do you smoke, Todd? Seriously. You smoke? I've smoked for 25 years. <laughs> it sounds like you're going to say, like, Andrew Dice Clay has a, had a yeah. bit. My lung feels oh, my great. My lung feels great. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I, I, honestly, I don't take vocal lessons. I never have. Um, I just liked to sing. And, exper- you know, I try to copy all the people that I like and experiment with your voice and wh- what makes this singer sound this way and why does Billy Joel sound like that or Bruce Dickinson sound like that. And, and I just, I'm so detailed into those nuances. And it's just, I don't know, do it's you, lucky. Do you worry um, as a singer singing like this? I've talked about this before. People mm. can, I say, paint themselves into a corner because you, you do something when you're 30, yeah, then 40, you can't whatever, do it later. and then you're like, oh, shit, I got... Do you... Do you is that in the back of your mind at all? Because it's so powerful That's the way you qu- sing. That's a good question because... I tons mean, of guys struggle when they course, get out there and they like, figure like out how to themselves. When you're 21 and your yeah. balls just right. dropped, you know, and then you're like 50-something and you're like trying to... See, you know, it's, it's... Honestly, I think a lot of it's conditioning... Because there are still some singers that, you know, I'm 45. There are singers that are, you know, look at Glenn Hughes. Amazing. Okay? So I think that a lot of it is maintaining that. And, yeah, you know, I'm a baritone. And I'm actually a baritone. I'm not a tenor. Um, but it's maintaining that. Do that again. That was <laughs> It went, never it went Barry White. <laughs> he went Barry White on us. Lou Rawls. Lou Rawls. That was, yeah. That, but, uh, you know, it, oh, what I wanted to, real quick, yeah. is... Uh, some people say, well, you should, you know, why do you record things that it, maybe you can't perform every single night? And I'm just like, I don't, I don't buy that. Like, if I'm capable to hit some ridiculous note on a record and it sounds killer, I'm going to record it and I'll figure out how to do it live every time. You know, if I can't do it live every time, I, I'll try. But, I mean, it's like any other athlete. Mike Tyson doesn't throw punches right. like he used to, and Michael Phelps doesn't swim as fast as he used to. But I think you should just do it while you can and. Don't worry about that. You know, one day you're not going to be able to stand. I'm pretty close much to that right sing, now. <laughs> much less sing, you know. I'm not too far away from that. Queen the of the moment. Reich or something, so whatever. <laughs> Ricky, last question. Go ahead, Ricky. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Um, I discovered you guys at my own party. A guy brought a cassette, and he goes, dude, can I put this in? It was Rage for Water, man. I was like, what the fuck is that, man? That's awesome. Was a big fan since then. I was excited when you guys opened up for Metallica. I want to say it was like 89 mm-hmm. Empire Tour. Yeah. I believe. Or was it? It might. Yeah. It had to have been 89. Well, they're in the yeah, band. 90. They would know. No. Do you, do you remember what year that was? It was oh, 88. That 80, was 86. Uh, Rage for Order? Oh, no. For Metallica. Order is when I discovered you, but I saw you live for the first time. Oh, that was, you opened up for Metallica. I want to say yeah, it was 89. 88. That was 88. 88. 88. Yeah. Would have been Empire. Yeah, probably. A long time ago. Kind of hazy back no, then. No, that would have been Operation My Crime. Crime My Crime. Okay. But that was Metallica's Injustice for All. Yeah. Right. A bunch of tours since then tried. And then fast forward to uh, 13. This motherfucker right here. Todd, holy shit, Thank brother. you, buddy. Thank you. Peggy and I saw you at Ben Speaking PA. Dude, Ricky, you Ricky, been... Ricky. I'd love to get your concert rundown, but we got a ton of bands. So yeah. thank you, anyway, buddy. Thanks, dude. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Ricky's going through his whole thing. So in 79, I saw you. <laughs> and then you opened for it. And I was like, I love you, Ricky. I got to just move on. Thank you, buddy. All right. So um, verdict is out on on uh, Friday. The verdict Early returns seem to be great, right, from yep. the fans? So we got a ground tour hitting the ground off this boat. Fate's Warning is uh, our support coming out for a four-week run. And then uh, some potential South American stuff is in the works, I think. And then we go to Europe July 25th through August 18th, playing all the big festivals and stuff. We got a busy year that's uh, filling up quickly. 
Well, guys, congrats on the record. It sounds great. And uh, thank you. Con- congrats on the thanks, man. Thank you. You know, amazing career. Just thank keeps you. rolling along despite uh, what wheel might fall off at any given time. I'm so, right. You grow I'm another head it until it sparks. You grow another head and you keep moving. So uh, thank you guys for uh, for coming by. My thanks to Michael Wilton, Eddie Jackson, and Todd Latoury. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. The new Queensryche album is called The Verdict, and I do believe that it's out now. And it was interesting to get some um, some light shed on what's going on there with, with uh, Scott Rockenfield. Really a big mystery, but the band has finally just come to terms with it and are clearly moving on at this point and clearly doing quite well with their new record and out there playing as well. The touring drummer is Casey Grillo. All right, coming up next, we'll be I'll be joined by uh, King's X, all three members of the band on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Stick around. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It's time to celebrate. The Adam Carolla Show just hit its 10-year anniversary, and Adam is kicking it off in style. Join Adam this week as he welcomes late-night talk legends Jimmy Kimmel on The Adam Carolla Show and Jay Leno on CarCast. Congratulations, Adam. Download The Adam Carolla Show and CarCast every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Interview number two on this week's podcast is with Jerry Gaskill, Ty Tabor, and Doug Pinnock, better known as King's X, a band that has maintained all original members for nearly 40 years, a band I have a tremendous amount of history with, having been in my early 20s working at Megaforce Records, remembering when their first demo came in and when we first signed this band, and they are still doing their thing and still sounding great and working on a bunch of different projects, as you're about to hear. So let's go back to the high seas and the 2019 Monsters of Rock cruise originating on my Sirius XM show on volume. Here is King's X on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All three members of King's X are here, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We got Mr. Doug Pinnock down there on the end getting a nice fresh cocktail. What do you got there, Doug? Uh, what is this? Moscow Mule. Moscow Mule. Moscow Mule. Yes. A little day drinking Cheers. for Doug Pinnock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. And in the middle slot is Jerry Gaskill. Good to see you, Jerry. Thank you, Ty. I like it. And, uh, and Ty Tabor sitting right next to me. How are you, man? Real good, man. I'm you having a good cruise? Great cruise. Yeah, you having fun? A lot of fun. Have you, guys do, have you guys done a lot of these before? Is that third one or fourth one? Third one. This is our third. It's my sixth. You're oh, sixth? Yeah. yeah. Who would you play with? I did a couple shiprock cruises. Oh, okay. I was in the band Stowaways. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's awesome. Actually, awesome. So you, uh, you really enjoy them, then? You, I, I mean, what's them. not to enjoy? I mean, most people, you know, most people love, uh, love the music cruises. I've talked to some bands that it's not the environment for them. They don't like it. They're not big on it or whatever. But I don't see how you couldn't. I mean, it's great fans. It's a great vibe. You don't have to drive anywhere when you're done. You go stumble back to your cabin. and yeah. It's <laughs> an awesome paid, event, uh, paid job. Adventure, whatever you want to call it, have fun to get paid and do it. I mean, yeah, does that make sense? To yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Slow down. Yes, it's awesome <laughs> to do and get paid for it. Okay. King's X may be the only band on this entire cruise, and there are about fifty bands I think on here that has that has never had a lineup change and still has the same original members. I was yeah. thinking about that. That is a pretty remarkable thing to consider. 
How the hell did you pull? How the hell did you pull that off after all these decades? We're idiots. We just never <laughs> talked to each other. We, we, we stay together for the children, really. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. Actually, Jerry is on his third clone. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Jerry's a hologram. It's, it's a drummer thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is incredible. I mean, when you guys, I'm now. We're going to talk about a few different things because there's a bunch of things going on with you guys at the moment. But when this all came together, I'm reading the book that Greg Prado wrote about King's X, right? I'm reading it right now, and I'm only a quarter through it, maybe in the earliest stages. So even though I've known you guys since we first signed you to Megaforce, I didn't really know much about you before that. And the amount of perseverance that you all put into this when the three of you came together, the fact that here we are in 2019, still the same three guys still doing it, it's just, it's just remarkable. I mean, Doug, what, starting with you, what do you attribute that to? Is it just, could, could anybody ever, env- I mean, I don't think anybody could ever envision King's X being the same without these three guys. Well, that's true. I mean, if something happened, it'd be over for us. But uh, we stuck together just because we stuck together. We, I don't think we have a reason. Um, I can, can't think of one. I mean, we love each other. We've had our ups and downs, our fights, our, you know, everything like anybody else goes through and, but uh, it's like a marriage, Jerry says, and, it's, and it, it works for us. And, and, and no matter how bad things get, as soon as we walk on stage and we hit that first note, it's, there's like something happens to the three of us, and it's us against the world. And it's these are my brothers, and it's like there's this thing that, that happens, and, uh, and we don't want to stop it. You know, even w- when we get to a point where we go, well, let's just break up. This ain't working no more. We just can't. Have you gotten to that point? I think we did Couple twice times. in the early, early days. I was actually thinking of that with yeah. this question. The fact is we had all wanted to quit individually at different times mm-hmm. and possibly had. Uh, but we were all sitting this around. This before is before the first record, like the earliest days or even? I think this would have been right before getting yeah, signed. Yeah, the one you're going to talk yeah. about, the, the, the one in the hotel. Yeah, that we're, was before we got signed. Sounds we, like we there was, was just a throwdown fight or something in there. No, oh. no, there was no <laughs> throwdown fight. Everything was here. great. We were just worn out. We had yeah. been touring for like seven, eight years, really paying hard dues. Nobody was paying any attention. And we, we all quit on the same day, and it scared us to death. And when we all realize, oh, wait, we're all there, and this is real. Uh, we're going to make it official. We're it, done. It scared us to death, and since then, I've not said that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> well, look, that's, a, that's a good thing. Jerry, let me get you to weigh in on this. I, how about this as a theory, and you tell me if I'm crazy. King's X is and has been for decades now a completely loved band by so many people, both fans and other musicians. But we all know, and one of the unfortunate themes of the band, is that it never crossed over in a massive way commercially. In some way, do you think because of that, maybe that's why this bond with you guys is also so tight? Because you always still got something to prove, and that maybe if you all made multi-millions and sold millions of records, that's where all the bullshit comes in, and the fighting, and the ego, and the posturing, that maybe there's something to the fact that you, you got a great fan base, you make a career doing music which you love, but you never went to that level where it's just like all that other shit gets in the way. You think there's anything to that? We talk about that in the book. Yeah, I do sometimes think that that is possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, back to why we're together. I think we're together also because when we first got together, we all believed this is the band we want to be in. All three of us wanted to be in this band. And so we stuck it out. And as far as... uh, you know, making all the money and getting all the fame and all that stuff. I think you might be right because I think totally of that right. sometimes. If I had all the money, although I'm willing to find out, 
Believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but if we did, I'm thinking, yes, I don't think I'd be here right now. I'd probably be off somewhere, you know, by yeah. myself. We have all told each other many, countless times that if we had more money, the band would be over. Yes. <laughs> so we'd let that take over, you know. Doug, what do you, what if, you, if, you, if you had more money, what's the first thing you'd do? What would you buy? My mama house. Oh, and nice. And then start shelling money out to all my relatives because they continue asking me for money. <laughs> <laughs> they all think I'm rich, and I'm not. My brothers think I'm, they really do think I'm rich, and my brothers and sisters, and, <gasps> you know, but, and I give it to them if I got it, you know, because that's family. My son one time <laughs> told me that he looked up uh, my net worth online. Oh, <laughs> Really? And it came up something like $13 million. Mine's five. <laughs> I said, no, that, that, that's just not true. And I think he got excited. Ooh, dad's going to worth $13 million, But no, of course not. I he, didn't even he know this. he's got a lot coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember mine, mine was $5 million And yeah, I, had I, like, I, had like, I was like $20 in the bank and nothing in my savings <laughs> account. Yes. And I'm going, it's bullshit. Wait, are you guys telling me there's stuff on the internet that's not true? <laughs> no. I've never encountered Here's it. My, I, I can't believe that. My favorite internet quote, everything that you read online is true. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Uh, Doug, your mom's still alive, yeah. huh? How mm-hmm. old is she? 85. God bless her, man. That's awesome. Because she, uh, Jerry's mom's 85, too. No, I she's think. 88. It, She'll be 89. Oh. I bet your mom's it, 88, too. Yeah, she's probably 80. And, da- and Ty's dad is, <laughs> is 80-something, too. Well, all, all our parents are around the same age, even They're though I'm 88. like 10 years older than these guys. But mm-hmm. we got that? the same age as parents. His, their parents had them younger, right? No, yeah. your parents had you younger. Uh-huh. My dad was 30. Yeah, was my born. mom was 18. Yeah, my so. mom was like 20-some. Okay. What that means. We'll get back to you. Yeah, yeah. What, hey, everybody. <laughs> what that means, though, is that you all got good, you all have good, great genes and that King's X should be rocking well into their 80s at this point. That's I right, plan on it. Right? <laughs> you know, I was talking to Billy Gibbons about bands have been together for over 25 years, same band, and we came up with us and ZZ Top and U2. And there's a couple more, I think. But he was excited about it, so you never know what will happen. It might be a, a So we're here to announce a U2, ZZ Top, King's X tour. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's going to happen. We just, it's, it's just a really yeah, cool, cool idea cool. to put a bunch of bands together that have been together for over 25 years, original bands, yep. and put a tour together. Yeah, I've, tra- I've talked about that before. I often mm-hmm. forget about U2, mm-hmm. but I always think of you guys and ZZ Top. Not only the original band, but never had a lineup change, right. those three bands. There's, yeah, a, right. there's bands that, that had some people leave, but then come back and are original yeah. still now. I mentioned Aerosmith, and Billy said, nope. Because right. Joe and Brad uh-huh, were out for a little uh-huh, while. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the consistency thing is, is just absolute. Now, of course, U2 and ZZ Top, uh, ZZ Top, they do have the millions that they can fly separately <laughs> and stay away from each other. So actually, you guys, it's even more impressive yeah. because you aren't flying private on your own plane and you have to deal with each other. We ain't got no plane. <laughs> you got a plane. What's that? <laughs> well, here's, here's what I want to do. I want to talk a little bit about what King's X has going on, what King's X has coming up. I hear, I'm hearing talk. I know this book is out now which uh, I'm enjoying, and I, I hope you guys are as well. And, uh, Doug, I got an, a book o- on you, an autobiography, which we'll touch on. Cool. A few other things. So let's get everybody up to speed on what's going on in King's X World. You're playing, of course, here on this cruise. This book is out right now. Are you, do, you guys uh, were happy about this book. Obviously, you participated in the book that Greg Prado did on, mm-hmm. on the history of the band. So, so uh, talk a little bit about that and uh, 
you know, how you were approached about it. Was it your idea? Was it his idea to do the book? How did it all start? I remember there was a lot of conversation before we even decided to do it. I wasn't paying attention, really. I wasn't reading the email. That I was have you guys else. read through it? Yes. yes. And you happy yeah, yeah. with it? Um, oh, I have, yeah. Well, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror. I'm never happy with that, but it's, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's a good representation of truth. As far as books can be. Yeah. I haven't finished it. I'm only into the first quarter it's, of it. I think it's a good story. I think it has all the elements of a good book. Makes you laugh. Makes you cry. Makes you think. Yeah, yeah. It uh, changed my whole life. Reading about people talking about you, plus the things that these guys were saying. You know, it's like, it's like when you married or something and you go to a council after 20 years or 30 years of being married and all of a sudden you find out your your boy your your wife or your husband doesn't like uh butter you know but you put it on bread anyway and they just ate it because they loved you you know it's like there's things i learned about these guys that i didn't know about you know things that the way they thought about things in the band even were you know who we are I, I, they said things that helped me understand things more about who we are in this band and it's helped me to see things clear a lot, a lot of insecurities left Cause, a lot cause of things that i'm a very insecure person and a lot of times i feel like you know with these two guys they love me to death but they like to have fun with me and i'm real sensitive so i take it wrong sometimes and i have to and i'm very hyper and, and i just kind of and the things that they said help me understand why they do what they do so that i can go wow i love you and it's i'm okay you know, it, it, it really helped. It was like a therapy for me. Jerry's finding this very revealing. He's looking at me going, because mm. <laughs> yeah. the interviews were done individually. Uh-huh. So, so yep. you guys, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah, everybody said what they were, what's in their head, which I didn't. Some things I went, oh, wow, you see it that way. I didn't know that. You know, and it really changed everything. My attitude is totally different in this band now. Wow. Did, Ty, it, it Ty were you life. aware of that? Because you're looking at Doug going. Mm. I've never told him anything like that. <laughs> God, wow. It's a good thing, right? You're yeah. saying? It's a, huh? good, it's a good it's thing. It's a really saying. good thing. Yeah. yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. I think we're all, I mean, I, we're, we're all learning other things about each other just because, like you say, we're getting to read each other's therapy sessions yeah. over a yeah, couple of years. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny because. Uh, Doug was just looking at Jerry going, it's a good thing, it's a good thing, because if it wasn't, we may have had the end of this streak we were talking oh, yeah. about, and then the tour with you 2 and ZZ Top is off. Wow. And, the funny thing, and the funny thing, it's exactly the opposite with me. I read the book, and I heard all these things that they were saying, and I love these guys, but now I don't love them. <laughs> That's it. We need a new repl- we need a new drummer in King's X. Anybody? No. <laughs> break up then. There is also the book. What's the full title of the book? I, fr- I have it in my bag. Actually, it's right here. As a matter of fact, but wh- I don't have it in front of me. What's the full title? I think title? it's King's X: The Oral History. Right? Yeah, I'll look because it's literally in my bag right behind me. But in addition to that, where is there really? Is there a movie coming? Is there a documentary? T- wh- who can tell us a little bit about that? Go ahead, Ty, Jerry. Doug, Doug's um, looking. For, Doug, go ahead. You know, we've been talking about this for a good while, and this guy named Troy. What's his name last name? Roy, Roy. Roy Turner. Roy Turner. He pops up, and he's a huge King's X fan, but he does a lot of films and documentaries, and he's really good at it, I'm told. So we checked him out, and he wants to do King's X, a real deep, in-depth kind of story on us. It, it's not like um, these guys that never made it or or just some kind of big drama. It's It's really about... To me, and, and what he says it's about is the victory that we've had. We've done this for so long and what we're doing. 
and how we've been doing it under the radar since forever. I mean, we still play. We have a crowd of people. We have following. We make records. We do what all the other bands do. In fact, even we get to do more than most of those bands, but we're not famous, so we're under the radar. And he wanted to make a book that just shows everybody that this is what they're doing. Go check them out. They're still doing it instead of, like, you know, Anvil. I didn't want it to be like that. Like, we didn't make it, so, you know, woe is us. It has nothing to do with it. I feel because we didn't get to that place um, uh, fame-wise, it's made us who we are, and I like it. And the other thing, too, is you don't get the reward till you get to the end of the journey. I'm almost 70. Now I'm starting to see what happened, and I'm happy with it. Rather than going, oh, man, it didn't happen, or blah, blah. I'm going, whoa, that's one of great adventure that I want to tell people about, and I'm pretty happy about it. So that, that's awesome. That's an awesome attitude about it. And, and, and the thing is, is that you, what we're talking about here is not like a biopic or anything. It's a documentary. It would mm-hmm. be a docu of real stuff. Is there a lot of archival footage oh, of yeah. King's X? Uh, yes. I already spent like two days with him in Houston, just taking him to every place we played, how we started, uh, venues, rehearsal space where we started rehearsing. Um, he's coming to Chicago to my family reunion. He's going to follow Jerry and Tyra. I mean, he, he came to the NAM uh, convention. I was uh, in L.A. for a whole week. He followed me around and just, I mean, he's just in your face. It's he, going he to be. To, a, he wants to show every aspect of our lives. He wants yeah. our personal lives and, you know, walking the dogs, all that kind of right. stuff. Right. You know? And I he's mean, keeping yeah. a lot of it secret. Like, he won't mm-hmm. even tell us who yeah. all he's talking to. Um, so we won't even know till the film comes out who all is in the movie. But mm-hmm. In some of his interviews, he asks such great questions that I don't know about I was at the point of tears I had to stop because he he digs into you and starts tell you, you you start revealing things and all of a sudden I go whoa and I even had a couple of epiphanies you know and same with it. me he would ask questions and I just have to think about it I'm like mm-hmm. and I looked out the window we were driving in a van he said great let's get a shot of you just looking out the window thinking about this mm-hmm. so there, there's that kind of stuff where I had to just think it's pretty deep can can you um you have a target date on when it would come out? Is there? Is there? A, I, mean, I mean, if you're still shooting, I'm. Th- I'm assuming maybe next year. I'd say at this about point. a year and a half at least. A year and a half of shooting, I yeah. think, probably and more. Editing, yeah, still so more ahead. So it's just no, I'd say another year or so of shooting. Right, we've already done about a half. Yeah, we're in the very, very early stages yeah. right now. And yeah. your early manager, Sam Taylor, his background was in video. So was there a lot of? Was there cameras always rolling back then? Of like any video stuff, or yeah. is there going to be a, a big bank of that? This stuff? What he's going to do is a lot of things that we talk about that uh, incidences that happen. He's going to do a cartoon of it. Oh, okay. Which is going to be really cool, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's some cool stories, even as as children, what we were doing as kids, mm-hmm. learning how to play. And he's going to do a cartoon version of it as we tell it. Wow, that's cool. And, and, there, and there is some footage no one has ever seen, including footage you guys have never seen, mm-hmm. of, of stuff that I shot when we were recording uh, the Gretchen album. Oh, you got it. And good, I've got good. Doug singing over my head several different takes wow. and some stuff like that. That's that I didn't nobody, know that. Nobody's seen it. And he probably hated every take. <laughs> I no probably one did. <laughs> I just read probably. you hated your vocal to Goldilocks in the book. I'm like, oh, are I you can't kidding? Stand it. I'm like, oh my god, this guy's out of his mind. What's he talking <laughs> well, about? It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it is okay because it's your vocal, but fans love it, of course. I know, and I'm glad they do. You know, so it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here, really. Ty, you were saying <laughs> you were saying during the break that there's a the first new King's X record in almost ten years is being worked on, huh? Yeah, um, we're supposed to go in like. 
is it like mid-April? Mid-April. April 15th, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, we're going to L.A., work with Michael Parnon, who yeah. we love, and um, see what happens. So if you're going to start recording in April, I imagine the material is pretty much all written at this point? Still writing. Still writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you'll write right up till mm-hmm. do some fine tuning. We got tons of stuff, though, years of stuff. <laughs> I got about 30 songs myself. Is there? There's a so so when you go in to make a new record, even mm. though it's been a little while, is that the thing? Is like there? It's a, it's a mixture of fresh stuff, ba- and then maybe some stuff you've been sitting on that you, you didn't get to, yeah. but you think might be right now. We throw everything in the pile, yep. for sure. So everybody brings it because since you guys mm. all sing and all write and all contribute, everybody just gets in the room and hashes it out. And like yeah. I had Snake from Skid Row here a couple days ago. He's like, you know what, man? He goes, there's always been a big, big misconception about my band. Because Rachel and I write the songs that, that we won't let anybody else write. He's mm-hmm. like, that's not the way it is. Others have written. He goes, but our mentality is when we get in the room, best song wins. Right. And whatever, at is. the end of the day, the best song mm-hmm. wins. It might not work for everybody, but right. object whoever's producing the record, best song wins. That's how you guys pretty much approach it, I would think. Yep. Plus, you never know what's going to happen when you actually get into the studio. True. Right. Anything's possible. And a lot of times we gauge it more by how we all individually react to it and how excited we are about a song. Yeah. Um, sometimes Doug will have an idea that he doesn't think we're going to care about, and we freak out, and then we have to work on it. Can so, you give me an example of that time? Yeah, over my head. <laughs> over my head was a throwaway for him. Really? Yeah. I didn't play for those guys for like almost a year. Really? And we were doing we were doing the Gretchen record, or Sam called us up and said, bring all your demos, old, old, anything, everything you got. He said, bring them, we're going to listen to everything, we're going to find the best songs. And we got to Over My Head, and it started out, and I got up and turned Push the tape forward and said, ah, that, that, let's forget, not that, listen to that one. And they made me play it. And that's what happened. Uh, that's, oh, that surprised. is amazing. How about the, how, I mean, everybody that knows anything about King's X knows on the live stage is just where this band just kills. I know you got a show here, which I'm looking forward to seeing. And I'll be hosting with you guys coming up on the cruise today. Yeah. But for everybody listening around the country, U.S. and Canada, what can you tell them about live shows? You got dates coming up or? Anything on the books? What's what's yeah, happening? I, well, taking the time off for the album, of course. Right, but after right. that, yeah, we're back out touring again. For uh, we're already lining stuff up the rest of the year. Yeah, and looking at September in Europe, uh, another extensive run over there. And we're talking Australia finally. Yeah, you've never gone? Mm-hmm. No, no, the record label that signed us is in Australia, so they're setting up an Australian tour. They're trying to, I think. Oh, Golden Robot. Yeah, I mm-hmm. met that guy. Mm-hmm. Seems like a real good guy, and uh, and that that's cool. So yeah. so new. Even after all these years, another new record deal for King's X. You guys yeah. have been through the mill, man. <laughs> <laughs> Indie, major, independent. I mean, that's incredible. But Just people keep putting them out. Keep yeah. putting, people keep putting them out. And the last thing, um, let me go down the line here because you guys all do stuff outside of this band, mm-hmm. Doug. You got a lot of different projects. Yeah. I, when I saw you when you would move to L.A. And I first met you there. Uh, I said to you, I said to you, um, hey, man, um, why'd you move to L.A.? And you just said, because I want to play with everybody and make as much music as I can. Yep. So that's really what you've been doing. And I mean, KXM is one of the things you've done that I absolutely love. Thanks. You're going out on the Experience Hendrix tour, right? Yeah, me and Joe Satriani and Kenny Ernoff got a band together. And we're going to do a half hour of uh, Hendrix songs in the in the on the tour. I don't know what position it will be, but it's going to be fun. Dora Bramhall and, uh, is going to sit in on a song and Ernie Isley and Taj Mahal. So we're going to have some fun. That's awesome. Cool. I've Come seen that it. tour. It's a lot of fun. It's cool. really, really cool. Awesome. And um, Jerry, what do you got? First of all, your health. This is a man that's survived 
couple heart attacks right yeah. here, Mr. Jerry Gaskill. Mm. So thank God oh, he's man. still with us and alive and well. He has yeah. had his he has had uh, many his some serious scares. You're good health wise. I'm doing better than ever. Great. Wouldn't change a thing. I'm very thankful that I had those heart attacks. Really? Changed my life, gave me a new perspective on my body. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've learned that we have to listen to our bodies. And our bodies are the only thing that's keeping us here. So we have to take care of it. <laughs> so logical. So logical. <laughs> and so I'm very thankful. Good, good, good. And you got any music on the side of King's X that you want to talk about? Any other projects? Uh, well, I've got a couple solo records out I'm, I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. And uh, after this record, if there's music left over and more music, of course, will be written, maybe another one. Yeah. And, Ty, you've done some solo records as well and done some stuff uh, with others. Tell yeah. Anything coming up you want to mention? I actually just had a double album release on Rat Pack, solo album, and I also had an album release with uh, the Jelly Jam. We did another album called Profit, and we've done a couple of uh, tours now, so getting out doing Jelly Jam stuff, too. That's very cool. So and Hendrix tribute record out, too. You do? Yes. Hendrix, and you, and there's a book just about you that came out recently too, right? Yeah, it's called Life Is What You Make It. It's, ladies and gentlemen, it's Doug Pinnock's world. We are just living in it, <laughs> and he said, he, and I think it is true. He must be worth 13 million with all this stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, Somebody the internet it looks like it. <laughs> well, my thanks to Jerry, Ty, and Doug of Kings X. Also earlier, my thanks to the guys in Queensrÿche for dropping by. Great to have them on the Eddie Trunk podcast. Double dip this week. Hope you enjoyed those interviews. Thanks to Katie Irizarry for putting it all together as usual. I'll see you guys again next Thursday for another all-new episode, free as always, on podcastone.com or iTunes. And be sure to follow on Twitter, at Eddie Trunk, for up-to-the-second news and info. And visit eddietrunk.com, music news, all my appearances on the homepage, email me through the site, and a whole lot more. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you next Thursday for another all-new episode. This week on Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow. Join Caitlin as she covers the finale of this season of The Bachelor. You want to get real for a second? Let's get real. Who will win Colton's heart? The, and then this is why they need to have the cameras come in the morning after the fantasy suites. is for these exact moments. Find out by listening to Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow every week on Podcast One. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. 
A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.